0: Welcome to the Worthy Physician podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sapna Shah Hawk, a board-certified internal medicine physician. Keep life simple. You are human. You are worthy. Remember what matters to you. Our goal is to help physicians remember this and to make it a reality through addressing various components of physician burnout via podcast. This is meant to be used as a tool to help guide physicians. It does not take place of professional medical help. Opinions reflected in this are my own. In this episode of the Worthy Physician Podcast, I sat down with Dr. Simon Malte, who is a cardiothoracic surgeon, but also gives his personal take on what he's gone through in medicine, aspects of burnout, and discusses his, not only his career as a surgeon, but also his coaching business and his book i would really encourage the listeners to grab a hold of what he has to say he has a lot of good information and
1: tell me about yourself what
0: is your name what do you do
1: yeah so my name is uh, simon malte i'm a cardiac surgeon uh i uh, practice still um i'm also a uh so i'm in montana now i also have a we have a vacation place in california um but uh, yeah, I practice every uh, every week. I do have a coaching business as well, um, you know, which we're trying to build. And then uh, uh, I have my own personal medical um, business, you know, sort of a telemedicine online mm-hmm. thing. And uh, I just wrote a book, you know, about uh, about uh, healthcare, mental illness, and uh, anxiety, uh, work, and how to balance work life balance. So,
0: and given everything you named off, plus your specialty, how do you find time for work life balance?
1: Well, it's a, it's always a challenge, but, um, the, uh, what I'm noticing is that, I mean, I've, I've changed. I used to work at the Mayo Clinic where where 90% of of what I did was heart surgery, Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I found that I was able to find some flow into managing that schedule and sort of diversify what I was doing. Uh, you know, sort of making the pie a bit different. Uh, you know, having the family, having the, um having the family, having the work, having my personal time, and so as opposed to having just work. So um, so that the other things in my life, all all, all of things don't just depend on work, and then right. The things bring me some different aspects for which I can um you know I enjoy doing it doesn't seem quite as work, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, the uh you know it, it has always been just uh how many cases I you know, I've been for years for over a decade. I was there from um, you know, 6 a.m. to eight a, eight p.m. every day, just doing cases, seeing patients, and uh and overall for me that wasn't the it wasn't fulfilling enough that uh whenever work was not going well, I was not going well altogether. So now I think balancing means making sure that the pie is a bit different, that so to speak.
0: Sure. And can you tell me a little bit about your coaching business?
1: Yeah. So uh breakthroughpoints.com. So the uh the uh, the company's called Breakthrough Points. Um actually um, I'm one of the partners, but we're four people. Um, my wife is a cardiologist, but she also is a, a breathwork facilitator, yoga teacher. So we offer those services, um, and we it's basically an extension of the book. So the book addresses um, you know mental illness, flow, resiliency, and high intensity environment. You know, IEF uh, uh, healthcare. But a lot of the themes that we talk about, you know, time management, resilience, culture, um, um, making sure that you 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 take time for yourself, um, is are are applicable to other environment, high intensity environments. So, um, the the coaching company really extends the concept of uh, flow state or resiliency in healthcare, but also other high intensity environments, so business. Um, um sports now you know sure. uh, we hear a lot about that and so uh, so my wife and i uh, started that and then we affiliate ourselves and, and it also includes mentorship right how to progress into you know a, a high intensity environment but doing it right right when you start and so you set yourself up for a long long-term plan right. um and so we, i've we were fortunate enough to partner with uh a surgeon in the Mayo Clinic, who's a master educator um, that I knew, and then also a retired professional athlete who just retired from um, uh, MLS, the soccer league. And, and uh, he, uh, he was also an, he won an award during his career, the comeback or the come because he was struggling with pain and surgeries and things. So the company really addresses, widens, I guess, the, Approach and we offer one on one coaching, we offer anxiety relief, we have a whoop analysis project. Um, so we really have uh, we're really kind of a one stop shop to help people just manage their life better. It's uh, and then have mentorship throughout their career. We hope that you know, through the experience that we went through, Mm -hmm. um we will uh, we're able to help some people, you know, sort of not get to a point where we all were, you know, sure, sure.
0: Now, what is the title of your book?
1: So it's called Healthcare Anonymous. Um, um, put yourself first to avoid anxiety, uh, burnout, addiction. Um, so it's, it's uh, and yeah, and it's also translated and it's been bought by a French editor. It's called Code Blue in French. So that uh, it just released, uh, um, it just released this past Monday in the U.S., and it will be released next week or the 25th or 26th in, in, uh, in French. So.
0: Very cool. So tell me, can you uh, share a little bit about the book with us? Um, what yeah. you would feel comfortable sharing?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, healthcare anonymous is really, uh, is really, uh, I mean, it's just not just me, right. It's my sort of life experience. So I'm building on my life experience to, um, provide a dissection of what I feel is uh, what I call in the book, healthcare disease, sort of a new uh, concept. But the book is described as a disease to which when just the same thing as when you start, um, uh, when you have a disease like diabetes, you have to cope with a chronic problem. Um, and, and that in that case, it's healthcare. So we go over the culture, the historical influences, the mentorship you have, the school, the, you know, the personality traits development over a period of time uh, that are forced on us as opposed to, um, you know, because dealing with death tragedies and and responsibilities, Um, then I go into, um, then I go into explaining um, that the disease, what I, what I think when we talk about burnout, anxiety, addiction, that's all an acute moment of the disease of a more of a chronic problem. And and the way I explained the problem, like any diseases is there's three major vortex or three major poles that needs to interact together for the manifestation of the burnout or other diseases. So I talk about the individual. So the host, right. Um, sure. The, um, and I talked about the main character traits, um, that the host has in order to develop this chronic maladaptive process within healthcare. A lot of it is perfectionism, the plus and minuses of perfectionism. Yes. Yes. Talk about that. We talked about um, the, as we talk about the trait, the personality traits and how they're developed during their teenage years and early adulthood. And they're sort of imposed on us moving forward. Um, Then we go about the environment, right? So the host environment, uh, we talk about the culture, the administrative changes, the administrative demands, the finances, the call schedule, the so the the really the the setup of the the the, the environment in which the disease progresses, and then we talk about the what or the uh, or you, the way you interact with it, and when those three vortices vortices becomes unbalanced, that's where you have the burnout, and in the middle of the book uh, are the are there other issues. Um, and in the middle of the book, we have a big part. Um, I build the book with testimonies. So we have about when it comes to the manifestation of the disease of the healthcare disease, I describe this in four different categories, um, whether they're physical, uh, whether they're psychological, whether they're behavioral, right? So being angry, being um, yes. sort of adapted at work and then personal manifestation. Cause we, we always think that you know divorce or financial issues or friend you know um, issues are always singled out and are related to one thing, but usually it's a process, right? Correct. And over years and things. So and then, to represent those stories, we have um, we have about twenty people, not just doctors, but healthcare uh, providers, technicians, uh, nurses, that really talk about their life experience and how they fit into those categories. And then finally, with the last three chapters are really about recovery, uh, step by step, sort of what I think has helped me or what I think came out of the stories, um, and what has helped people, um, to move forward from it. So a lot about education, seeing things differently, and then, um, the things that we talk about is burnout, suicide, you know, addictions and things that's, I think to me, an acute problem. And if sure. we don't talk underlying issue, I think we're just postponing, you know, the recovery or delaying recovery potentially.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because as the system goes on the way it is, it's just perpetuating all that.
1: Yeah. And the system is pretty good about, you know, when someone's depressed or someone's going through a, uh, uh, anxiety disorder, or something big, or it comes to work, you know, drinking, or um, the system is pretty good about identifying that, right? The, you know, but then what they do is they send you to anger management, they send you to rehab, they send you to like some sort of like psychiatrist for six months. They put me on administrative leave to check boxes, and then they right. still you right the same behaviors, the same call schedule, the same, you know. And constraints. And so we don't really solve the problem. And that's what through the stories people can and the reason why it's called healthcare anonymous is at some point in my life I had to read the book, you know, the the blue book. And um yeah. And in the middle you realize that people that are alcoholic are not are not the ones you think on the street with the brown bag, you know. Oh absolutely. Or just most of them are just chronically functional and and, uh, and so the it represents a bit the same it's built a bit the same so which you you see that there's a lot of shades of gray you know sometimes it's lack of empathy sometimes pull on you know heart attack from anxiety and so there's just a lot of different variations of it
0: the way that you describe it i really i really want to read the book and i'll and it's not because you're here it's not because you're here on the podcast (laughs) It is because I think that you've really spent a lot of time. You've poured a lot of energy into it. I can tell by the way you're talking about it. Mm. And you really look at it at the human aspect, which I think is wonderful. uh, Looking at healthcare workers, physicians as humans, because we also have a threshold. Um, We also can only handle so much. And when we're in a field where there is a lot of loss and each patient you you lose whether it's expected or not it it still hits you
1: absolutely and uh and covid we you know we talk covid has just i think put things exponential right so it, it really had um the problems were there it just really put the accent on it and um And we have a chapter where we talk about COVID and and the influence of that on the system and how, I mean, to me, that's mental illness or depression, burnout, and healthcare culture is really the threat for the next 10 years because people, as you know, I'm sure you've you've seen people do that. But I have, I mean, there's barely a month that goes on right now when I don't hear about someone either leaving medicine, um, changing jobs. Um, going through some sort of depression. Uh, I mean, nurses, you know, for 25 years, been in the ICU that just go on and, and go to work at just completely different job, which is a loss for the system. So I think in the long run, if we don't really kind of hashtag this as the main problem, just like right. other things, um, right. I think that's where we're going to, the system's going to, the, the turnover, the cost related to experience. And that's, Unmeasurable, and it ultimately, I think it's the public and the patients who will suffer. You know,
0: absolutely. And I'm not. I'm not anti mid level. I'm not anti nurse practitioner. Anti physician assistant. I work with with both, and they're excellent. But that's not the answer to fill the gap.
1: Absolutely. And, and um, I just wrote, um, I just wrote a. Uh, <laughs> You know, and then we're being we're between us, and I don't know if you've seen this. We talk about this in the book is how the competition were. I mean, now that things are starting back, a lot of people have lost money during COVID, and a lot of people, you know, have lost patience. And so between us, we're really ruthless, especially in heart surgery. And I, I just wrote an editorial to one of our major journals who got accepted real quick. So I guess the editor thought it was, you know, an important topic. Sure. Uh, but it, I wrote how, you know, the main. The main threat for cardiac surgery, and you know, we talk about interventional cardiology, the, the clips, the percutaneous things, and that we won't do surgery in the next ten years. The real threat is is not that. It's not the cardiologists. It's not. It's us between us. I mean, we just. It's a. It's a, an environment where we now even more. We just kill each other. We talk about each other in the mm-hmm. and each other back. We you know we we just. Uh, we we shame people for taking vacations or speaking up about how they feel, and so I mean to me that's the real threat. And, sure. and ultimately, people like you. I mean, the, the the sad part is I have residents right and and students they come yeah. to my station and I'm like, they say, hey, doc, what, why do you, why do you hear that you should never go in the surgery in cardiac surgery, and well, now I just don't have a good answer for them. <laughs> you know, <I'm> like, <laughs> environment it's like i mean maybe it's uh, it's not for everybody but it's certainly a, a, a culture that's tough to live with you know sure i mean that's the real threat you know
0: and i i think that's that's the biggest thing in healthcare right now is that we we're not allowed to be human we're not allowed to to say i'm tired um as physicians and i i can only imagine it's worse in surgery and i'm not and, and I'm, and I'm serious just because of the, the culture. I mean, you can go to the same university and the culture in the surgery department is different than the internal medicine
1: department. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and, and I think I have some medical doctors that have pr- uh, corroborated in, in the, in the book to talk about in the, in the, like the, Early, you know, comments on the book, and they like Simon. I can't. I didn't realize you guys in surgery was such under like scrutiny for like outcomes and public reporting and mm-hmm. uh, and then pressure to do cases and and save money during the cases and <laughs> and now it, it because you know we get reports now report cards of of how much money we use during a case, how much sealant we've used, and how much that cost and. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it just gets overwhelming and, you know, I I have a a part in the book where I talk about influences, right. And and that's right. So mentors and things, I mean, in heart surgery, for example, our mentors, Dr. DeBakey, which is a name that everybody knows oh yeah our field, he was known tiring, right? So when you look back and try to sort of, um, look at someone in our field that would inspire you, you're looking at a person that was very talented, but it was a complete uh, animal on rounds or like, and it was living in the hospital and which is a different time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not completely you know, bought into this and you're, you're looking for some, some help, you, you could feel destabilized. And then when you look on TV, right, whether it's Dr. House, Dr. Austin, or the doctors on the residents, and right. they all like they're dysfunctional. So how do you expect to build a career where, I mean you want to be the best of what you do but yet you have to be not nice with people you work with and, and how do they expect people to train in this environment or and be any difference like you would you know show kids something on TV and expect that they don't you know become a certain way so uh you know it's it's uh, it, there's a lot of work to do
0: <laughs> Sure Well I'm I really appreciate your insight and I had no idea that surgeons underwent that type of scrutiny as to how much sealant you used on a patient.
1: I put them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we, in some States now, it's even, it's even worse. You get, um, I think, New York, California, I'm not sure California doesn't need more, but you have, you have public reporting. So you get your complications and mortality rated against everybody else in the state whether you do five cases and they're all high risk or whether you do hundred cases and all low risk and whether you work in a system or not. So, and then they, the media picks it up. And I remember uh, seeing an article like too long ago where they talk about individual surgeons in the state with the worst mortalities. And they actually called the surgeon to say, can you explain yourself? And I'm like, well, I don't know. i <laughs> You know, I've dealt with a bad run. I have tough cases. Can you imagine having the media call you for your <laughs> outcomes and how this affects your life and and no, vibe?
0: no, I, I that's how do how is that ethical?
1: It's uh, it's terrible, and it's actually rewarded by our societies because um, now you know for the scores, national scores for hospitals, public reporting is one of the things that gives you a point. Right. So if you public report your results in surgery, you get points for the national ranking. So it's it's they sort of caught up in this vortex where you're like, how do I survive in this, you know, very stressful environment? And
0: 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. Reimbursement was a heck of a lot better. Yeah. Now, I've yeah. always had a problem with ranking with hospitals and physicians because we're not restaurants and we're not hotels
1: exactly. Five-star surgeon, you know, it I just, and I just, I don't, I mean, it, people don't realize that. So when patients go online and they go to Google you, it's how many stars you have. And things. Right. Well, it's not that you're not good. It's it's usually because your system is not made for patients to make it easy for them and remind them to rate you. Sometimes it's because internal systems have these special ways of turning some sort of national or uh, internal score into a public score. So when you see these doctors with 150 reviews, with five-star review, that's usually an internal process or survey that's been transformed into a online scoring from the people you work with so it's not like 150 patients went online and give five-star review it's an internal calculation that the hospital has set up so it's all a bit made up right so they compare each other and so but 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 for 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 physician though it's it's um It's tough to live with that, you know, when you when you when you see other people, you compete with other people. And unfortunately, that's how we're measured, you know, in terms of success and things like that.
0: Right. I've learned not to Google myself. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: (laughs) I mean, more people are, you know, that that don't have that. Hey, reminder, rate us.
1: Right. Right. If you.
0: Yeah.
1: Account. You know, you know uh pubmed you know, ranking your number of publications your bad reviews quarter and you know as well as i do right and, you, and how it affects a bad, a bad sometimes it's either just it's a bad outcome you know mom dies from a surgery and the son is pissed maybe you haven't been the greatest at communicating outcomes <laughs> And then he writes you like a one-star angry review. Well, that sticks, right? Yes, <laughs> it, it, yes, it does. It does. You know, um,
0: I've had it as an internist.
1: Everything goes goes to toilet, so you're, <laughs> you're it goes to nothing, right?
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: but you know, I really appreciate your time, and I I'm really interested in reading your book, and I uh, I would I would love the listeners to to really consider picking up a copy. How would how would they order one?
1: Yeah, so they can go on all the usual stuff, uh, the Amazon, um, the BAM, the you know all the, that's available. Uh, book a million, um, and then uh, if, you, um, if they it will be uh, distributed in Barnes and Nobles and Target and things like that. Um, it will also it's a bit, if you go to healthcareanonymous.com, all the one word, you get testimonies, you get samples of the book, you get um, he invite me to give a talk about resi- resiliency and uh, and uh, and give a summary of the book and uh, and you can order it as well. All the links are there. Um, if you go to Breakthrough Points with an S.com as well, all the links are there uh, from coaching and and book links and things like that. So, I mean, to me, it's all about the why, right? Exactly be- about it, but. You know, I I like Simon Sinek is not is one of my favorites. He's simple, it's easy to understand. He's really has this ability to describe, and he talks about the why, right? Start with why, and I think the book, the the book is really just to to start as much movement as possible. It's not about Simon or Simon's experience. It's really to sort of raise awareness to. I mean, to this problem, which I think is going to be a real, real big one moving forward.
0: I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad we can meet Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes the podcast. Subscribe, tell a friend, follow us at www.theworthyphysician.com. Remember, you are worthy. You are human. Take care.
1: States, setting down the things to perpetuate the hate Hey, I think it's time to turn around i